Welcome back everyone to another episode of Formula 101. We just got off a very interesting race in Singapore. I think a lot happened in some unexpected ways. I can't say if it was exciting or not because a lot of what happened was not like big and dramatic, but just a repetition, you know, there was so many safety guard periods. Uh, the championship is still undecided, so we go to Japan at Suzuka next to see if that's where it'll end. But for this episode, we're going to be doing one of my quick 15-minute episodes that I call Driver Spotlight Episodes. As the name suggests, I just take a look at one driver in the history of F1, give you some background as to who they are, who they've raced for, their records, their stats, all that kind of Uh, to round out a better picture for you of who they are as a driver. And today's driver of interest is Fernando Alonso. So let's get going. So Fernando was born in Spain in 1981. His love of racing actually came from a kart that his father, who had some experience in racing in his life, had built for Fernando's sister, but after she was largely uninterested in the object, Fernando got the card instead, and he was really introduced to, you know, a real passion and a career for for his future. And over his career in Formula One, he's raced for seven F1 teams. He just passed, I think, 350 race starts was what was his a stat in Singapore that he was getting celebrated for. He has two championships, 32 wins, 98 podiums, 2,040 roughly career points, 22 pole positions, and 23 fastest laps. He has been around a long, long time. He's even raced in the Indy 500. I think he's done some endurance racing a few years ago in the World Endurance Championship, and he's a popular racer for a lot of reasons. He's not a favorite of mine, so I I will attempt not to taint anybody's opinion of him here, but he's uh, loved by many, actually. Funny story is that I was in Austin last year at Circuit of the Americas for the F1 race, and I sat next to a couple, a husband and a wife, on the grandstand and uh, during, you know, practice or qualifying, I got to talking to the husband and he asked me who my favorite driver was. And I told him Seb. Uh, And the first thing back to me that he said was Sebastian is my least favorite driver, which, you know, this guy was a husband and father. They had kids at home. His wife was currently pregnant with, you know, I think their third kid. And he had to be at least in his forties. And at the time I was 22. Uh, but I was unbothered by his by his uh, immediate blunt comment. I asked him who he liked best, and he said Alonzo. Unprompted beyond that, he began to tell me that he kind of held against Seb a lot of the years around 2010, 11, 12, when Seb and Alonzo were fighting for the championships, all of which... Alonzo lost, by the way, and he thought Seb had made some crappy moves over his career, had treated Alonzo poorly, uh, like in Brazil in, in 2010, where Seb came through the field to beat both Mark Webber and Fernando for his first championship. And so this guy essentially held a grudge 
as a sore loser, which I get, I don't blame him. I, I do the same thing. Uh, but he didn't really have any shame in telling me in a very forward manner that he extremely disliked my favorite driver for those reasons. But moving on to back to Fernando. Uh, Fernando started in karting, as most all racers do, competing in national championships in Spain when he was younger. He was successful in those. He was spotted by a Formula, excuse me, a former Formula One driver, Adrian Campos, at a race in Barcelona, which was one that Alonso won. And Campos gave Alonso his first test in a racing car with Campos' own Formula Nissan team in '98. And Formula Nissan really just being one of those smaller series that are a bit outside the mainstream route, uh, but still a single-seater open-wheel racer. And he would race and, and win in this series before moving on. In 2000, he progressed up the motorsport ladder to Formula 3000, again, another smaller series. That was a difficult year for him, but was plenty to capture the interest of F1 where he joined uh, the Minardi team in 2001. And the car really didn't have the speed to let Alonso show off his talent over the race distance. They had, you know, poor reliability. But again, people really saw potential in him. In 2002, he would make the move over to Renault, which was previously known as Benetton. And there he would be a test driver before getting a main seat in 2003. And he did super well there right off the bat. At the second race of the season in Malaysia, he became the youngest ever pole position holder at the time. And later that season in Hungary, he claimed the title of youngest ever Grand Prix winner at the time. So Ferrari during this era was the main rival of Renault, but they faltered kind of in 2005, pretty much after the string of Michael's wins up to 2004, And Renault were really perfectly placed to take advantage of this vacuum for power. And even though the Renault lacked more speed as a whole, it was a reliable car and Alonso was able to pull out the necessary speed from it when he needed to. Um, Although, because 2005 was his first championship win, and a lot of people will look at it and say you can't exactly get around the fact that his championship had come in a season of misfortune for Ferrari and Schumacher, largely due to the regulations that had to do especially with tire changes. But I think that's a sentiment that you can have about a lot of championships and how, you know, just sheer luck can play into who wins. And now 2006 was a mess. Ferrari was back on Renault's heels. They had new upgrades and a better aerodynamics package. But then you kind of had, that was going well for Ferrari. And then there were some other things that plagued Renault. They had this innovative mass damper system that was actually banned mid-season, kind of amid accusations of pro-Ferrari bias from the governing body. And then came this extraordinary push, or excuse me, penalty handed to Alonso at Monza for allegedly impeding Schumacher's teammate at the time, Felipe Massa. Although eventually, Alonso would be able to clinch the championship when car reliability brought Schumacher down. So he clinched the championship at the final round, where Michael again ran into car trouble, and Alonso became the youngest driver ever to win back-to-back titles. 
And he moved from there to McLaren in 2007, where he partnered Lewis Hamilton. And things weren't super great between the two of them, as Lewis was this up-and-coming talent. Alonso disliked things so much that he actually returned to Renault a year later in 2008, although the team was very different from the one that he had left. They were struggling immensely for points, and ultimately they were going for great lengths to secure any points success that they could. This was the year of Crashgate, which I think I spoke about maybe even in the last episode or uh, my episode about Nelson Piquet, because Piquet was supposedly told to purposely crash his car in order to allow Alonso to win. So that kind of hangs over their head during this period of time. But now next came actually a move to Ferrari in 2010, even after the, the fighting they had had earlier in the kind of decade. Alonso would be a considerable challenger in the championships for several years there, going up against Sebastian Vettel, who charged to four consecutive titles. The Ferrari team was close to winning a lot. Things always seemed to go a bit awry at the wrong times, and the frustration over the Red Bull wins that were just, it was just an onslaught, it seemed to get Alonso by the end. There was a really bitter parting between him and Ferrari in 2014, and Alonso seeking to align himself with a new manufacturer took the extraordinary decision to return to McLaren. Now, he wasn't met with any better of a car. The McLaren this year was honestly terrible. The Honda engine and the partnership did not turn out to be all that it was hoped for. Alonso was vocal about his feelings of negativity towards it. The, you know, if you remember him coming over the radio and complaining about the car feeling like a GP2 engine or technically a Formula 2 engine, that was this year. And one thing about Alonzo, like that, that comment tells you, is that he's always honest. He'll be very clear if he doesn't like things, which I think has worked against him in pivotal moments in his career and is something I'm a bit sour to, uh, just the way he handles a few of these things. His ego really is the size of a mountain, but in F1, you know, whose who's isn't? Um, in 2017, after kind of the, the debacle of the year prior, he was ready to try something new, and he tried out Indy. He raced in the Indianapolis 500. He actually led 27 laps and is and was in the hunt for victory when his engine, also a Honda, let go 21 laps from the finish line. And now in 2018, still with McLaren, the car was only marginally better, so he made the decision to actually leave F1 there. He would dabble in endurance racing, Dakar, which is another series, and a few other kind of racing areas before everyone was a bit surprised and maybe not all excited to see him return to Formula One in 2021. He had been testing with Renault, now rebranded as Alpine, in their young driver program, which everyone had a laugh at because this man was like 39 at the time and was by no means young. Uh, and he certainly hasn't done that bad at all in the, kind of this second phase of F1 for him. He is taking over Sebastian Vettel's spot at Aston Martin for the 2023 year, which I think is a bold move on on both parties' parts. 
The AM uh, Aston Martin car is not good. It's actually really bad. They have horrible qualifying. They've only done kind of well in races really because of the talent on their racing side with, with Seb specifically. Uh, and Seb is also younger than Alonso. Aside from kind of Sebastian's ethical and moral personal qualms with racing in F1 with his activism and environmental interest, Seb objectively had the years and talent in him to stick around and to help him develop and grow the Aston Martin car. He has that personality. Alonso does not strike me as someone who is going to stick around for a good, consistent point-scoring car to come to fruition. Alonso is the type of guy to bail when things get kind of crappy. He doesn't have the patience or the selflessness that I think is required to do what needs to be done at Aston Martin. So I, as well as a lot of people, were surprised that the team would make the decision to pick him as they definitely have a lot of heavy lifting in front of them in terms of developing the car. And now to finish, let me touch on the Spaniard's driving style because regardless of your opinion of him as a person or how he's handled his career, Alonso is very highly regarded by many in the sport and looked at as someone kind of in the top sector of racers of all time. Because he is someone who can extract additional pace from cars in all weathers. He's great in the dry and in the wet. He is very, very knowledgeable on how to use grip for use in the entry of, of the turn. His kind of one of the common threads that came up in my research was he, he just knows where to brake and he knows how to put the car in the corner in the right place at the right time without losing speed exiting it. And now his, his one downfall that is not just me making any observations, but is talked about his bedside manner or his kind of anti-being a team player is considered one of his, his red flags on his, on his resume. It's something that Christian Horner, the current Red Bull team boss, and even 1979 world champion Jody Schechter have both said is his inability to think about the team as a whole and his habit of causing problems at the team that he's at is unattractive and unlikable to a lot of people, but he is, you know, he's still found a way to hang around in the sport. In essence, really, his on-track skills are top-notch. They are the best of the best. There's just some personality and character issues that detract for some, not all, uh, but I do think that's probably a factor that comes into play with all drivers on the grid. They're not, they're not perfect. But that kind of wraps up Fernando Alonso's career. He's still around. We'll see how he takes these next few years with Aston Martin. And if he's able to absolutely, I hope he proves me wrong and brings that car up to a better, higher level because they are certainly struggling right now. Uh, but that wraps up this episode of Formula 101. Thank you for listening, and I will see you on the next one.